the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by the Federation for American Immigration Reform and George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to our program on this Saturday, April 29th, 2023. Welcome, my friends. We've got a great show as usual for you. Got lots of things to talk about. Um, let me begin by um, telling you that uh, uh, I guess it's official that on May 11th uh, of this year, in another couple of weeks, uh, Title 43 or Title 42 rather, Title 42 is going to be removed. Uh, at that point, my friends, we are going to have a tsunami of people crossing the river. We are going to be inundated. And while this is happening, my friends, the only thing that uh, the Biden administration seems to do is uh, how to figure out how to encourage people to come in even more so. Uh, they, they, um, they seem to be coming up with ideas constantly on how to process people so that they can enter. Now, people coming in, uh, again, are assigned a date when uh, they are supposed to report and then begin the process of uh, seeking asylum or seeking a pathway to citizenship. The problem is, my friends, that 90% of these people never show up at those hearings. But that doesn't seem to matter to the, board, to, the, to the Biden administration. We are just letting people in, claiming that they are being processed. And in reality, all we're doing is letting them in so that they can just scatter to the wind in, in the United States. Incredible. Um, let me tell you real quick who our guests are, and then I'll give you some uh, uh, some news uh, about what's going on because a lot of stuff is going on, my friends. First of all, um, our first guest, our first guest is um, Mr. John Biner with uh, Breitbart. John is going to give you a very disturbing report, and I mean, I, I have to laugh because I mean it's just so outrageous and outlandish. <clears throat> John's going to talk about a. A nonprofit organization that was originally set up by the George W. Bush family, by the Clintons, and by the Obamas. Oh, and the Carters, too. All of those four. Those four presidential families. Those four. They set up this uh, nonprofit organization to fly Afghans out of Afghanistan to the United States. Well, of course, the Taliban has put, a, put a, an end to that, and nobody's flying out of Afghanistan at this point, unless it's terrorists. And uh, so now, uh, this nonprofit is flying illegal aliens from various parts of South America to the United States. How about that? I, really, uh, it, it is just, uh, just absolutely... I mean, don't we have enough people crossing the border illegally that we've got to fly them in? I mean, think about it, folks. These are four presidential families. The Carters the Obamas, the Clintons, and the Bush family. And they are helping to fly illegal aliens into the United States. Oh, they don't call them illegal aliens, but that's what they are. They say, oh, they're refugees. They're not refugees. They haven't been classified as refugees. They haven't been determined to be refugees. They're coming into the United States to make an application for refugee status and for uh, uh, temporary uh, residency and all those things, but why are we flying people in when we've already got tons of people crossing the border? Isn't that enough? So anyway, John Biner from from Breitbart is going to be chatting with us about that. 
our our next guest, our second guest, is uh, Mr. Matt uh, Crapo from uh, the Immigration for Reform Law Institute. Okay, and uh, we call it early. He's going to be chatting about another very very disturbing situation that's been going on, my friends, a a case uh, in Oregon. And uh, this case has to do with the um, state wanting to remove uh, the uh, the uh, criminal aliens, uh, wanting to remove them from being uh, uh, deported, from being turned over to uh, immigration so that they can be deported. In other words, the state of Oregon is fighting to keep illegal alien criminals in the United States to provide them some kind of sanctuary. It, 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 I, I, I don't know what these people are thinking, my friends, what they are thinking. But uh, um, it, it is just uh, Matt Crapo is going to be explaining to you uh, or try to explain to you uh, their thinking, their position, uh, and of course what position uh, the Immigration Reform Law Institute is taking on it. So you're going to want to hear that. Our final guest is uh, my good friend, Mr. Brent Smith, who is the county attorney for Kenny County, which is Brackettville, just southwest of uh, of, of uh, San Antonio. Kenny County has been kind of like the epicenter uh, on the west end of, um, on the southwest part of uh, uh, our border here. Uh, and uh, it um, they are the ones that have kind of drawn the line. And uh, Brent has been very, very active in uh, pursuing uh, some type of, of uh, political acknowledgement by the Biden administration and by the Texas state uh, government that uh, we have a crisis, we have an invasion going on. And uh, he's going to be giving us an update of uh, what he is seeing as far as the state legislature and uh, the future of, uh, of uh, the border in the next couple of weeks when uh, Title 42 is removed. So uh, you're going to want to hear uh, the, these um, uh, three very, very interesting um, uh, interviews. So then, let me uh, jump to some news so that you uh, know what's going on about um, uh, in the, what's been going on lately in the past week. First of all, a very, very disturbing <laughs> news item that came out uh, a whistleblower uh, who has been uh, involved firsthand in uh, the the uh, child uh, the immigrant children the migrant children uh, resettlement uh, she has testified before Congress that there is a sophisticated network my friends of child migrant smuggling and then many of these children my friends are being placed are being put into uh, forced labor and other forms of slavery in the United States. Uh, The hearing, which was called uh, the Biden uh, border crisis, the exploitation of unaccompanied minors, was held by the Judiciary Subcommittee uh, on Immigration uh, in in D.C. And uh, this lady, Tara Lee Rodas, she was the main witness. She's the whistleblower. And uh, she detailed with the uh, the problem at HHS of the Health and Human Services uh, about the uh, emergency intake site in Pomona, California. Uh, that uh, she told the lawmakers of what she has experienced on the ground. She said, she uh, says, "quote I thought I was going to help uh, place children in loving homes. Instead, I discovered that the children were being trafficked through a sophisticated network." Uh, that begins with recruiting them in their home country and smuggling them to the United States. Now, my friends, all of this has its genesis because we have been encouraging family reunification. And family reunification means, very simple, that if an illegal alien here in the United States is uh, reunified with a child that that has come across the border illegally, that family, that adult and child now, a family unit, gets to stay indefinitely in the United States. So, consequently, children are being used as a loophole, and they are being brought left and right into the country. They are being smuggled to the border, uh, and then uh, they uh, are delivered to a child sponsor, 
And uh, these sponsors turn out, the majority of them apparently are turning out to be criminals and traffickers. Can you imagine? I, I, what uh, are they thinking? What is the Biden administration thinking? How can they defend themselves? The other thing that's very, very interesting is that news came to us, uh, has, has come about, that um, some countries are doing what we should be doing uh, in, in uh, stopping uh, Peru and, Ch and Chile... Uh, have intensified their uh, strict border policies and they're stopping people from crossing their borders who are on their way to the U.S. border. I mean, can you imagine? We've got countries doing what we should be doing. And that's the only way that we're, we're slowing down some of these um, uh, caravans is that the other countries are doing what we should be doing. There's also some frantic prop, uh, preparation going on in El Paso, Texas and, and a few other places in anticipation of uh, May 11th when the um, when the end of the uh, <coughs> Title 42 is going to happen. Uh, the city in El Paso has um, already seen a, an increase in influx with about 1,400 illegal uh, alien jumpers every day entering that according to the uh, local border patrol. It's estimated that there's 40,000 40, migrants who hope to seek asylum in the in the United States, who are already amassed in Juarez on the other side of El pa of the river in El Paso? Can you imagine forty thousand just feet away from Texas's sixth largest city? This is uh, creating <clears throat> the Title Forty Two was created by uh, the Trump administration during the pandemic to stop sick people from entering the United States. Now, of course, I guess because COVID is over. Although, uh, you know, Fauci wouldn't admit it, <clears throat> uh, that it is over. Uh, Title 42 is going to be removed, and uh, it's going to be a tsunami of uh, illegal aliens coming in. Um, the uh, situation, my friends, is one, again, where the Biden administration is not prepared, nor do they seem to care, one way or the other. Uh, there's also an another uh, situation that has another uh, announcement that came out that the U.S. Uh, is, is planning on opening new migrant processing centers in Colombia and in Venezuela. It, this is all part of an effort to reduce undocumented uh, immigration. Now, the problem is, again, my friends, that people walk into these, into these um, processing centers, give whatever information they want, and they're still, they're still lying. They're still fibbing. We don't know who they really are. They are processed and sent to the United States. And um, again, this is all with the idea of avoiding the deportation of these folks, which is what should be happening legitimately. They should be deported. Very, very interesting uh, opinion piece that was written in the uh, Washington uh, Times uh, this past week also, that uh, the first step to... Pro it was written by uh, Representative... Kay Granger and Representative Dave Joyce. And their first statement seems to say a lot, my friends, because the first the first uh, sentence uh, in the first paragraph of this opinion piece says that the first step in fixing a problem is admitting that it exists. Now, this is very, very interesting because the Biden administration continues to exist for, to insist, first of all, that the immigration issue, the border crisis, was created by Trump. Okay. Secondly, they keep insisting that they have made things easier and more secure. And then third, that there is no real border crisis. So, I mean, talk about delusional. How can you fix a problem when, you're, when the people are that delusional? When they are that far from reality. Okay, so what is the reality? Let me give you just two stories that happened, two incidents that happened this past week in uh, in in uh, South Texas. First of all, a man, first of all, a man in Falfurias was stopped by the border patrol, and they found eight people, eight people and some furniture that he was smuggling. Then there was another situation on Monday, where uh, a guy was transporting uh, five people, and they were hidden in 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 uh, jet skis. Now, this is typical. This is going on constantly. My friends, when it's not people, it's drugs. But something is constantly being smuggled into the, into the United States illegally. 
and we need to stop it. We need to stop. We need to, to shut the border down until we get to control of who is here in the United States. Welcome to the show, my friends. Let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got our good friend, Mr. John Biner, uh, reporter for Breitbart. He's just written a very, very interesting article, a very interesting report regarding a nonprofit that has been put together by the Clintons, the Obamas, and George W. Bush. Very, very interesting trio there. And um, what's even more interesting is that uh, this um, uh, trio is helping to bring illegal aliens into the country, fly them in. John, tell us about this, because I'm about to freak out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, this was a, you know, a non-governmental organization um, set up by, as you mentioned, the Clintons, Obamas, and the Bushes, and also we should note the Carters as well, Jimmy Carter and his wife. Um, They all sit on, you know, the board of directors, and um, the goal was to work with the Biden administration in 2021 and last year to fly Afghan nationals um, into American communities. As you, I'm sure, remember, and many of your listeners remember, the Biden administration orchestrated the largest refugee resettlement initiative in U.S. history by bringing in more than 85,000 Afghans to the United States, many of whom were not screened and interviewed in person beforehand um, in a very short window of time. Um, And this Bush-Obama-Clinton organization was set up to help the administration more quickly get folks in from Afghanistan, fly them on planes. So now that that operation is somewhat you know, rolled down a bit. Um, they've gotten everyone in that they wanted to get in. Um, they've broadened their horizons to now b- helping the Biden administration uh, bring in folks from Venezuela, Cuba, uh, more folks from Ukraine, um, Haiti, uh, just migrants that would otherwise not even be arriving to the United States. And now this group, um, backed by the former presidents and a litany of multinational corporations, Walmart, Starbucks, um, American Express Global, Business Travel, uh, you know, Microsoft, every big company you can imagine is behind this, Goldman Sachs, um, and they're going to be literally flying migrants into the United States, um, helping the Biden administration facilitate their migration goals. This is incredible. Now, uh, again, we're seeing, I mean, uh, for the past few years, we have been seeing uh, the illegals crossing the border, introducing themselves to the Border Patrol, and then being transported by NGOs, by non-governmental organizations, these nonprofits, uh, into, uh, well, like here into San Antonio, and then from San Antonio Mm -hmm. being transported and flown uh, to other destinations like New York and, and, and uh, uh, Washington, D.C. and other places. Now, these folks are going to do it even expedited even more so, I guess. Are they picking yes. them up in are they picking them up in Latin America and bringing them here without them having to cross in Del Rio or uh, Eagle Pass or New, uh, uh, El Paso or any of these places now? Right. So from what it seems like, and the Biden administration has already been doing this for quite some time now, where um, these NGOs and the Biden administration will literally go out into Central America, Latin America, Mexico, and find people to bring to the United States. Um, You know, another part of this is like one Aspect. Um, this is sort of like the corporate sponsored aspect of the Biden administration's massive, expansive catch and release network, which includes a multitude of programs now, one of them being um, parole, which is what you were just describing, where folks are literally arriving at the border. Um, they know the program, they know the process so well 
that they ask for parole um, and they end up, many of them end up getting parole um, and that allows them to be released into the United States interior. They can go wherever and oftentimes they work directly with NGOs to bus them and fly them places um, that they want to go in the hopes of eventually getting a work permit and holding U.S. jobs for a brief period of time. A very small number of these folks will ever end up um, securing asylum because a very few number of people that come through the U.S.-Mexico border each year do end up securing asylum, are found to have valid asylum claims. So this is sort of another another aspect of that. You know, the Biden administration also has the CBP-1 app, which is another part of this um, where you literally are they go out and find people in Mexico who want to come to the United States. Um, they sign them up through this app. They schedule appointments at the border. They go to the border at their scheduled appointment, and they are released into the United States. Um, so the you know the Bush Obama Clinton group is one part of all of this. It's so significant because of the corporate sponsorship here. We're talking hundreds of millions of dollars going into facilitating um, what many would say is illegal immigration into the United States. And it's being sponsored by all of the major multinational corporations and Every former sitting United States president ex- who is alive, except um, Donald Trump. <laughs> it is just, I, I don't know, it, 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 uh, I, I have to kind of chuckle at it, but at the same time, it is so disturbing. I mean, these corporations, I mean, they're the same ones that sponsor uh, efforts to make, uh, make us live a greener life. Now they're importing. Right. Now they're importing people, you know, uh, who heaven knows what they're going to be doing. We're probably going to end up uh, supporting them with our tax money, and uh, while not, while encouraging to keep their own culture and not not assimilate. That's another problem. I mean, this is right. This is so wrong on so many levels. Yes, and and I mean, here's the thing. And this is sort of what folks will read when they, you know, when you, when, this is like, so the pinnacle of immigration coverage at Breitbart News is that no one else writes about these things. Um, but it, it's so indicative of the left and many on the right um, see immigration is merely, you know, a business model. Um, it is designed um, you know, corporations aren't doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. You know, yeah. it's it's designed to help their existing business models to inflate the U.S. labor market, to add millions of new consumers um, to the U.S. economy, to buy and sell stuff to every year, to add on, you know, tons more housing that will be necessary. I mean, you're talking about the environmental aspect of this, you know. That just totally falls by the wayside when we when these companies talk about the need, the constant need for more immigration, um, because as long as you keep add, artificially adding to the U.S. population without you know natural population growth, but immigration driven population growth, that's how many more acres of farmland you know, and national parks that have to eventually be demolished, paved over um, to build more housing, to to house, you know, 333 million plus people um, and counting. Uh, all It's all so contradictory, um, but it shows the amount of money that is behind um, the mass immigration efforts to the United States. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, another another dichotomy to this whole situation is, uh, you know, I mean, these are the same folks, um, except maybe the Bushes for, to a certain degree, but um, even them I question. But these are the folks who are so pro-abortion. So we're, we're aborting Americans, but we're letting in foreigners. I don't understand that. Right, 
Right. And we're constantly told about the labor shortages, you know, business needs. I mean, during COVID, there were like 50 million people unemployed and businesses were saying, oh, there's a labor shortage. We need we need to be importing people right now to fill all of these jobs. Well, there's been a lack. uh, There's been a downfall of the labor participation rate in the United States, particularly among working and lower middle class Americans. Why is there no effort by Republicans and Democrats to get us to full employment, to get those folks that have left the labor force since COVID back into the workforce. But that's that's never seen as a solution. It is always just to import a new group of people to take jobs. Yep, that's true. All right, bottom line, folks, we've been talking uh, with uh, our good friend, Mr. John Biner, with Breitbart, and he's written an article, my friends, uh, about how uh, a nonprofit organization, an NGO, a non-governmental organization, has come together, uh, been put together by the Bushes, by the Obamas, by the Clintons, and even the Carters, and it is importing, it is flying in foreigners. Uh, John, tell the folks where they can uh, follow you and where they can read some more about this. Sure. So Breitbart.com, my stories are all there. Um, And my Twitter is linked in all of my stories. So you can find me on Twitter, Breitbart on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you, John, for being on our show once again, folks. Once again, giving you some some very, very disturbing news. And uh, this just doesn't seem to end. John, thank you very much. Hope we can get you back on the show again sometime soon. Thanks, George. I appreciate it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, a new guest with us. Uh, from uh, early, from the Immigration Reform Law Institute, uh, Mr. Matt Crapo. He is the senior counsel uh, at uh, the Immigration Reform Law Institute. And I wanted to get him on, my friends, because there's a very, very disturbing case that he is working on, um, which, um, I mean, it, 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 would, it, it is an effort by the left to compliment, I guess, their effort at uh, having George Soros DAs that are dismissing cases left and right and uh, releasing criminals all over the place, and at the same time defunding the police. Well, now we've got a case that is impacting criminal aliens, my friends, the removal of criminal, criminal aliens. Matt, thank you for taking time to be with us. Please talk to us. Tell us about this case. Yeah, George, this case is uh, it's Rural Organizing Project and Community Alliance of Lane County versus the city of Cottage Grove and their police department. And w- what, these, uh, what the plaintiffs are seeking to do is seeking to enjoin uh, the police or the city from basically cooperating with federal law enforcement, uh, you know, federal immigration enforcement officials with ICE or DHS. And they're they're asking for uh, injunctive relief, asking the court to order them not to communicate or or cooperate with with ICE, basically, or DHS. Um, interestingly, you know, in their complaint, they just basically said they have a belief that they have a custom of, of violating Oregon's Sanctuary Promise Act. Um, and you know, Oregon's one of the first states to enacted a sanctuary uh, policy and they try to prevent local or any state or local official from cooperating with the federal government. Um, the reason that early decided to get involved is is that there's federal laws that basically protect um, local officers in their personal uh, capacity from to communicating with ICE or Cooperating and sharing information with ICE. So we filed a, a brief with the court um, basically arguing that, you know, there's a, there's a federal right for these law enforcement officers 
not to be intimidated by, you know, these threats or, you know, legal actions. Trying to, I, I think it's basically a legal action meant to intimidate police officers from, from cooperating with ICE. And uh, we just wanted to um, get on the record that there's federal laws that protect their rights to, to communicate information with ICE and share information. And that was our goal in, in getting involved in the case. Now, uh, let's make sure that we understand this. This, These are criminal aliens. First of all, folks that um, are not citizens, in many cases who are illegal aliens. And um, these folks in Oregon are trying to prevent the police from doing their job I, I, in, in trying to uh, arrest or remove these people. I, I don't understand that. Well, yeah. Basically, the, the, the sanctuary policy is that they want to prevent... Um, state or local law enforcement agencies or officers from from asking or communicating or checking with ICE or letting ICE know, hey, I've got somebody here that's committed a crime. I think he's an illegal alien. Can I check on the information or um, can you run a check and see whether or not he's here illegally? Um, they want to prevent that cooperation because, you know, ICE, ICE would not be may not become aware of, you know, a criminal action or, or an alien that's broken some other state law is typically the situation that it is. It's not that the police are out there, you know, patrolling the streets trying to find illegal aliens. It's just somebody that they've already arrested that's in their, you know, custody that they're, they may become aware that they're right. an alien or they're not here legally. And they just want to do their, you know, uh, cooperate with federal immigration enforcement, uh, authorities in, in trying to uh, help enforce the immigration laws so, uh, it, it would seem uh, like it would seem like if you've got a criminal that can be removed you would want to remove them <laughs> right yeah you know how many times you know there's always you know there's many cases where a criminal alien or an illegal alien you know here you hear a news story where they've you know killed somebody in a DUI or some other, you know, crime, criminal action where they've harmed some other citizen, and you find out that it wasn't the first time that they've committed a criminal act. It's, you know, they usually have a criminal record. Correct. Uh, and, and so, you know, it, if it wasn't for these sanctuary policies or the, or the people trying to intimidate police or trying to keep them from cooperating with ICE or DHS, you know, maybe they would have been removed before they could um, uh, would have been. That's right. Cause the harm. Now, uh, it, we've we've had angel moms. We've had folks from the um, from uh, who are victims, people who are who have uh, children or or loved ones that have been victims of illegal alien crime. Um, these these folks. I mean, what about the victims' rights on these situations? I mean, why are we always why do why do liberals and leftists seem to always want, worry about a criminal's rights? That's a good question. You know, the, the, they will claim that, you know, the sanctuary policies help make it. it it's a, I think it's a specious argument that, that sanctuary policies make the community safer because it would um, incur, or it wouldn't dissuade or wouldn't prevent um, people here illegally from seeking cooperation from the police or reporting crimes. Um, but that's, there's no empirical basis that shows that people are hesitant to report crimes or or cooperate with law enforcement uh, simply because they're here illegally. Um, that just it seems to me like it's kind of a red herring, and uh, frankly, it's it it doesn't outweigh the uh, positive effects of, of local and law enforcement cooperation with the with immigration authorities. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I had understood that early on in the Biden administration, uh, lots of, uh, of uh, communities had withdrawn their agreements with ICE to uh, cooperate or to turn over uh, uh, illegal uh, alien criminals to them. Is that true? Uh, I'm not aware of, of local or state... Uh, withdrawing after after Biden was elected, yeah. or yeah, after Biden was elected, uh, that there was 
there was an effort to uh, terminate um, agreements with ICE, local agreements with ICE, uh, for turning over uh, uh, undocumented or illegal alien criminals. I'm not. I'm not aware of, of local or state officials trying to trying to withdraw their authority or agreements with ICE. I do know that um, DHS had some agreements with some states, with uh, Texas uh, and Missouri, Louisiana. Some of the uh, you know with the Remain in Mexico policy, uh, DHS had made an agreement that they understood that the Remain in Mexico, the MPP protocols. Uh, would affect the states and they promised not to change the policy without consulting with the states and then once Biden was uh, you know uh, inaugurated DHS backed out of those agreements with the states that they promised they wouldn't change the policy without consulting those states Um, but that's the the only uh, agreement that I'm aware of where where DHS had pulled out of gotcha Gotcha. So, bottom line to this, um, these uh, uh, sanctuary communities that refuse to um, cooperate uh, with uh, with ICE or who uh, tell their law enforcement folks, um, I mean, uh, aren't they just adding fuel to, to crime? Uh, quite possibly. You know, it's, it's hard to know without checking with ICE. You don't know who's here legally, you know, maybe they would, maybe the uh, alien would confess that they're here illegally, but, um, you know, I think that every time you come across a, a local law enforcement should, um, I would encourage them to cooperate with ICE and, and communicate the information that they have. Yeah. Um, well, I like, I like Don Rosenberg, the president of, um, the, uh, advocates for victims of illegal alien crime. I like his comment that uh, it's hard to fathom why any state would want to endanger its citizens and legal permanent residents by protecting people who entered the United States illegally and then committed crimes. Right. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, it is. It's it boggles the mind to to understand uh, what motivates uh, you know the people that enact these types of policies. And, and, and what what's the status of the case at this point? Um, the, the the city has filed a motion to dismiss. Um, so far as I know, that's still pending. We filed a friend of the friend of the court brief, just um, stressing the point that there's a federal, there's federal law that authorizes local authorities to communicate with with uh, ICE and DHS, um, particularly relating to immigration status. And and that type of cooperation. So um, we're hoping that the court will take that into account when they decide decide the case, decide whether or not to dismiss it. Well, it's interesting because the, the plaintiffs themselves in their complaint they don't they don't they don't allege that um, that any any violation of the Sanctuary Act occurred to them or their members, um, or that they even witnessed any violation. They just have a belief that this. A belief. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. So. Gosh. Well, thank you very, very much. We've been speaking with Matt uh, Crapo, Senior Counsel at uh, the Immigration Reform Law Institute. Matt, tell the folks how they can uh, support uh, uh, early and um, uh, where they can find them online. You can find early at IRLI.org and, um, you know, you can find out all the information about early there, and we'd appreciate any support. You got it. Got to get you back right. on the show again soon and chat about it, uh, other cases that are that are uh, that are helping us to um, protect ourselves in our own country. Thank you very, yeah. very much. It's been my pleasure, George. Thanks a lot. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador in San Antonio, and uh, I am speaking with our good friend, Mr. Brent Smith, who is the, uh, well, I think the architect of uh, the response and reaction to what is going on at the border, my friends. He's the one that kind of led 
the uh, charge out of Kenny County and uh, bringing attention to what uh, is going on at the border, particularly to the residents. And uh, I wanted to get him on so that uh, we could get an update of what's going on, as well as his interpretation of um, the uh, situation in Austin. Uh, Brent, thank you for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show. Let me, um, first of all, let me ask you uh, to give us an update about what's going on, particularly in anticipation of this uh, situation where they're going to lift, where the Biden administration is going to lift the um, uh, Title 42 uh, restrictions or, or controls. And uh, what's that going to do possibly to um, uh, to the invasion in your area? Yeah, thanks, George. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, Title 42 is scheduled to end on May 11th, I've been told. And, um, you know, what's scarier is that um, to make room for all the people they're expecting, DHS is currently releasing people that they're currently being detained into the country, many of whom have criminal records. So that's already a preview of what this is going to look like. Uh, you know, when they lift Title 42, the numbers that we think are bad now are just going to get worse. Every time we think it's as bad as it can get, it continues to get worse. More deaths, more wrecks, more devastation of property, more terrorists coming to the United States. It's going to get unbelievably, it's going to get worse. And, you know, Kenyon County is doing everything we can now just to survive. Uh, I can't even imagine what it's going to be looking like, you know, at the end of May when, when the numbers have just exploded here. Um, it, it's going to be bad. We know that. And I'm not sure if we can, what the state is going to do to prepare for that in, in the meantime, because, um, you know, right now we can barely keep our heads above the water as it is. Now, uh, when just to make sure that people understand, you guys, Kenny County is, is racked with uh, car chases, with um, people uh, crossing pro- private property and da- damaging the private property, with... Um, uh, all sorts of, of drugs be, with with fentanyl being tra- uh, trafficked through, all of these things that are going on, uh, it, it's bad enough already. You anticipated getting worse at this point? And from the numbers that we're hearing, with what's projected, yes, we do. And Kenny County, you know, for your listeners who don't understand, we're situated between two different ports of entry, you know, in either county next to us. And so what we confront every day are the the gotaways the one that are evading law enforcement they don't want to claim asylum they don't want to give up and there's there's usually criminal records involved or there's a reason why they don't want to just turn themselves in and, and attempt to apply for asylum and so that's what we deal with every day is the evading and that's when you know the rollovers i mean just two days ago we had you know three die in a rollover in one single incident um you know it's it's been a it's a catastrophe already our schools are on lockdown you know, the, the residents of the county are just in shock at how bad it is, and I don't even know how to address it getting worse. Um, it, but it's it's it, it will likely get worse, for sure. And so we're trying to brace for that and do everything we can, but, you know, the state is going to have to step it up um, very quickly in order to control this disaster. The um, uh, situation, again, in Austin with the state uh, addressing the problem. Now, one of the things that has been going on uh, is you've been getting deputies, uh, your Kenny County has been getting deputies to assist from other counties, even from out of state. Has that helped? You know, I'm, I'm not able to speak to that. I've been, we've got, I've seen some, a few deputies come in uh, occasionally and, and work the roadways, but um, it's, it's not enough. Right now, I'm not aware of anyone helping us except Galveston County. Ah. But, but there is a task force that occasionally does come in and I think they're from several different counties in Texas that supplement our own law enforcement. Um, but, you know, they're few and far between whenever um, whenever trying to you know face the, the numbers that we are now, um, we're, we're strapped on resources. I mean, DPS is down here assisting us. But it's, you know, like one rancher said, that it, there might not be guns and bullets, but this feels like a war on the ground every day. Yeah. What about uh, what about what is going on in Austin? Um, there's uh, uh, some legislation that's working its way through. Uh, there have been a lot of um, uh, uh, hearings regarding the uh, situation. Um, what do you anticipate? What do you see coming out of the state of anything? You know, there's a lot of good legislation that's been filed, and they've had hearing on, hearings on, you know, specifically HB7 and HB20, 
which those two bills do is it sets up a framework and a state agency specialized in border protection um, to secure the border. They, they do nothing but that. So it's kind of like having DPS, but this agency is specialized in just border securing the border itself. And it's great legislation. There's a lot of great tools that are in the process of getting enacted. But, you know, as you know, the legislative session is coming, you know, to a close soon within, I think, 35 days. And there's a lot of bills that are being slow walked in the House that really need to be sped up. And most of those are in the State Affairs Committee. And uh, Representative Schaefer has drafted HB 20, which is the one that, that creates, you know, what is called the Border Protection Unit. And that that would be tasked with, you know, securing the border. And, and Mike Banks, the borders are, will likely be the, uh, the uh, border chief or chief law enforcement officer of that agency. There's a lot of good solutions, George, but they aren't enacted as of yet. So we need to really make sure we put pressure on our legislators in Austin to get those onto the House floor, get a vote, get into the Senate, passed and enacted as soon as possible. And, and there's also the whole issue of the uh, pushback. Um, my understanding was that this weekend there were a group of Democrat congressmen uh, that visited Brownsville, which is at the other end of the border from you guys, um, that visited Brownsville, and they came away asking for more money, for humanitarian assistance, um, but none of them said anything about uh, controlling the invasion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you've got to have border security before you consider anything else. You know, having a secure border is paramount before you consider anything on on aid or anything else. Um, You know, it's just it's a no brainer. You cannot be a sovereign state and sustain the lawlessness and violence that we continue to do. You just can't. I mean, there's just no way to be a sovereign state and not have a border. And right now, that's what we're experiencing on the border. Yes. The um, uh, impact on uh, communities inside or further away from the border is also beginning to um, get much more noticeable. And um, again, there was an article by the by the mayor of New York complaining about all of the illegal aliens that they, that they have. He estimates that uh, the past week uh, in New York, they've had uh, about 400 uh, new arrivals in his city. How many have you guys had crossing your 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 county? <laughs> yeah, we have more in one night than that. Um, you know, the, the thousands that come over each night across the Texas border. I mean, we're talking thousands each night across the Texas border. <laughs> that that to me that that's just it's ridiculous. I mean, he, you know, he can gripe about four hundred. That's fine, but you know, it's states like Texas that are that are taking on the brunt of this. And what most people don't realize is the, the dollar amount associated with the state having to pay the education, you know, the health care, the housing. I mean, it's, it's several billion dollars per year that the state of Texas has to pay for having these people in the state. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. We can't afford this both financially and in a security standpoint. It's just it's unattainable for a sovereign state. You cannot do this. This is not a viable solution at all, George. Yep. the uh, The cost to Kenny County, the cost to your county, for example, um, for detaining, for having um, uh, deputies work extra time, for uh, arresting these folks, for prosecuting them, or transporting them to some place where they can be held. Uh, how much has that cost the county? You know, that's a hard number to put on, but uh, Operation Lone Star has alleviated a lot of the cost to, to that. Mm. Um, the governor has been great, very gracious on, you know, helping the county pay for, like, for instance, the life flights. Um, just, you know, two days ago, we had three three or four life flighted. Each of those life flights cost forty grand. You know, and who's going to pay for that helicopter ride? You know, it's the taxpayers. And so it, the, the, the amount of cost that adds up, you know, when you look at it, securing the border is the cheapest option available. When you don't secure the border and you look at the costs associated with confronting this crisis, it's astronomical. And it and it goes into every policy that you can think of to property taxes, to health care costs, everything. It, it the, the amount of cost, once you look at the whole picture, is astounding. Yeah. The um, uh, Let me ask you this last question uh, before we let you go. Um what uh, what do you think uh, should happen 
as far as the the coming elections go uh, in uh, in in Texas um, for addressing this whole thing, I mean, do you see any kind of uh, of uh, folks that that are going to help more, or do you see more of the same? Do you see Texas drifting further to the left? I mean, uh, what do you see as far as that goes? Well, you know, I, I'm not trying to dodge the question, but I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, voter security and what laws Texas passed, passes this legislative session in order to secure the vote and make sure only valid legal votes matter. And um, if that happens, I think a lot of Texas, I think a lot of Texans, their eyes are open to the side effects of having an unsecured border. And they know the current administration is not doing their job. And I think everyone realizes, like, we have to have a secure border. And right now, the Democrats don't think it's a problem, and the Republicans do. Republicans aren't perfect, but I think at least they want to secure the border. Well, almost everyone. Tony Gonzalez apparently thinks it's a side priority, but that's another topic. (laughs) My man, thank you very much for taking time to be with us. I appreciate it so much. Um, Anything else you'd like to add before before we let you go? You know, I'd encourage all your listeners to contact the state legislature and especially the House, their House members, because this legislative session for Texas, I believe, is going to be the most important one this state has ever seen, because it's going to determine the fate of Texas, what we will become in the future. And we have to get the right legislation passed in order to protect values and everything that the state's founded on. My friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Brent Smith. Uh, the uh, county attorney for Kenny County uh, in Texas on the far, far southwest of uh, San Antonio. And uh, they're on the border. And uh, he's been providing us, my friends, some very sobering uh, news and information. Thank you very much, Brent. You stay safe out there. Thank you, George. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, uh, I just want to thank our guests today, Mr. Matt Carp- uh, Crapo from uh, the Immigration Reform Law Institute, uh, Mr. John Biner with Breitbart, and of course, uh, Mr. Brent Smith with uh, the, uh, the uh, Kenny County Attorney's Office. Thank you very much to these folks for being on our show, and thank you to, for listening, my friends. Please continue to, to uh Support us. Tell your friends about us. If you want to uh, donate to uh, us uh, tax-free, because we always need the money, of course, <laughs> you can send your donations, tax-free donations, to He's Alive Ministries at 6430 Green Apple Drive, San Antonio, Texas, 78232. Or you can call our office and uh, ask if you want to uh advertise on our show. Once again, my friends, thank you for being with us today. Till next time, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 